Hey everybody, welcome to A Girl Talks. This is episode five, Men Are Victims Too. When we discuss the topic domestic violence, our minds will almost always stray in the direction of the victims as being women. And although statistics prove that women are victims at an alarming, traumatic percent, there is another side, and that is male. Men are also victims, too, that suffer physical, mental, sexual, economical abuse in both heterosexual and same-sex relationships. The less told story is an alarming number when it comes to men as victims. According to the CDC, one in four men in the United States, in the United States alone, will become a victim of domestic violence during their lifetime. This is just in the United States, people, okay? We're not including statistics worldwide. The reason why I bring up this statistic and the reason why I am creating this episode on A Girl Talks is to start a growing conversation about this topic that anyone can be a victim of domestic violence and that everyone who needs protection deserves access to it. Men, women, and children deserve access to whatever protection that society can offer them. Male victims of domestic violence, just like women, often deal with a lot of similar issues, such as many victims of abuse, both men and women, suffer from a lot of self-doubt, anxiety, and fear before they reach out for help, whether it's a friend that they're reaching out to or a family member or even the authorities. They suffer through a lot of self-doubt and anxiety. Many victims fear that their abuser will seek revenge if they go to the police or if they go to someone other than the authorities for help. Or they feel that there is a great uncertainty about leaving their home, whether it's temporarily or permanent, at a shelter or a safe house. A lot of the times they're fearful of, of will things fall apart? Will the house still be up? Other times they're ashamed of even going to a safe house or a shelter. Will I be comfortable? What if someone finds out? These are a lot of thoughts that go through the minds of a victim, women and men alike. Men and women can both experience these type of worries and more. But one of the barriers that tend to apply mostly to the male victims is who's going to believe me and who's going to help me? And that is a very, very difficult question when you're a man in the United States going to the police, asking for help because your partner is abusing you. I would like to address some of the five top misconceptions that men that are victims of abuse have. Starting off, the fear of authorities not being able to see past that a woman can be an abuser. Well, I want to share with you a story, something that really happened years ago. Okay. There was a case in Florida that made headlines everywhere. Okay. And it came from a man that had evidence that his estranged wife was physically abusive to him. And the proof that he had was a video of a GoPro camera 
that he so happens to have been wearing. And it showed video of his wife physically assaulting him in front of their children. They were going through a bad divorce and a custody battle. And, you know, you add domestic violence in the mix, it becomes really, really difficult, a real big pill to swallow. In this situation, the wife was charged with assault, domestic violence, and went to jail. This man was an army ranger, by the way. Okay. And I know how that piece of information changes a lot of ideas to what a victim of domestic violence can be. I share my story a lot because I went through it. I survived it. And I want to help as many people as I can possible. And when I share my personal story, I share it to remind people that I am no different than this army ranger or the postman or my doctor. Domestic violence is not prejudice is one thing that I always want to remind everyone when I even share my own story. By sharing this story, I want you to remember and hone into that, that domestic violence is not prejudice. This man was an army ranger and he so happened to have had enough concrete proof that backed him up, which allowed him to seek help. But guess what? You don't need video evidence for the police to take you seriously. And that's a misconception a lot of men and women, but mostly men, fear. Who is going to believe me? What I recommend any man or anyone that's listening to this that may be able to then help someone that they know later down in life that is going through domestic violence man, woman, or child, is to start keeping a log of all the instances of abuse that have been taken on by your partner. And be as specific as possible as you can. Provide a date, provide a time, provide a place, what exactly happened, and maybe any witness that might be around. Maybe witnesses you don't even know their names of, but you could be like the clerk at Walgreens, the waitress at IHOP. Because this is important. Carefully documenting any type of situation you had gone through, whether it was a cut, whether it was a bruise, whether it was a severe injury, documenting photos whenever that you can. If you can go and seek medical care as needed, do it. If you feel unsafe having this information in your home, but you trust somebody, whether it's a friend or a family member, to keep this log somewhere safe in their home, then do it. Don't be afraid to ask help before you go to the authorities. In the event that you do go to the authorities, or if someone calls 911 to report an incident, producing this type of information, this log, these documentations, these proof, these photos, they're such powerful tools that can help clarify the situation to the police, no matter what gender, no matter what age, no matter what race, no matter what social economical background you are in. But men, listen, listen well, you need to do this. And I'm calling out the men because a lot of the times men think it's cute. Oh, they can't possibly hurt me. But if you do not set a tone of respect 
that line which was crossed will be crossed again and further and become more and more intense to the point where it can become dangerous. Society has taken the idea of a woman putting their hands on a man not as equal or at all to that of a man putting their hands on a woman. Physical assault is physical assault. Now, the amount of damage that might be created or occurred might be different. Physically, if a man of six foot two is assaulting a woman that's five foot nothing, of course, the injuries may be catastrophic. Whereas a five foot two woman that's trying to beat on a six foot two man, there may not be that immense physical proof of injury. However, that doesn't mean that the emotional and mental damage that had occurred is not equal to or similar to what the woman that was a victim endured. Moving forward, having these kind of evidence is powerful to clarify your situation. And yes, female abusers may falsely claim that they were only fighting back in self-defense or if they are in a sec- or if they're in the same sex relationship the other male partner can then claim that it was a mutual argument that got out of hand now police authorities understand these kind of tactics from abusers but they're also well trained to do their jobs to be able to assess the incident and to make a proper decision and correct form of action and you can help them by just being upfront, honest, vulnerable on what has been happening in your relationship. Another thing that people fear, mainly men, are that domestic violent victim shelters don't help men. Many times people believe that they have no place for me. Men especially have this thought that shelters will not house me because it's a woman's battered shelter. That's false, okay? Many years ago, New Jersey, for battered women, one of the state's leading domestic violence agency in the nation changed its name to the New Jersey Coalition to End Domestic Violence. This statement was put on the organization's website and everywhere its name was once seen explaining that this is a more of an inclusive name that helps clarify the taboo of providing services only to women and not to men. It clarifies that the group's work is for the benefit of all domestic violence victims and survivors. Because what's in a name after all? Unfortunately, the female-centric names that many domestic violence advocacy groups carry can send male victims the message that they are not welcomed or even misconstrue the idea that victims are only women and that men need to just suck it up. While women may be the predominant group that these agencies may serve, many shelters and programs provide services for male domestic violence as well, including safe house shelters, and legal assistance. So if you're a man seeking help, don't let the name of a shelter or a title of an agency throw you off. You can find tons of information on shelters that might be even as close 
as in your own community that can provide services to you, a man. Or you can just contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which I'm going to provide here, which is 1-800-799-7233, and they can help you find the closest agency or shelter near you. So men, please do not think that you are alone when it comes to this. There are services out there that can and will provide help that you so desperately need and deserve. Another fear men tend to have is that domestic violence laws are stacked against a man. And the truth be told is that in domestic violence situation, all states offer their courts the ability to issue a restraining order that restricts contact between their abuser and their victim. Restraining orders are the most significant legal tool available for abuse victims. And it can be attained regardless of your gender. So men, stop thinking that the system was rigged against you to begin with. No, men have been granted restraining orders and have been able to serve their abuser, women, or a partner of the same sex, a restraining order to protect them. When it comes to other domestic violence statuses, most states, I'd say approximately like 37 to 40, have laws that use gender-free language. Gender-free language, that is big. That is big. Even in states that don't, however, the law is practiced and applied the same for both females and male victims. So even if you're in a state that may not use, you know, gender-free language, the law is the law and it is applied the same way if you are born a man or a woman. Very few states even have special legal language protecting victims in homosexual relationships. So if you're a man in a homosexual relationship, they have special language protecting you, the victim, in situations like this. So please do not for one second think that you are alone when it comes to you being a male victim of domestic violence. Moreover, you don't need to be an expert of the law to get help as a male victim of domestic violence. It can be helpful, yes, to have an attorney by your side, to be your advocate, to advocate your rights, and to guide you through the system, especially when it comes to filing a restraining order. I myself was given uh, someone to represent me by the state, and they were able to assist me. Um, I had a lot of questions, but I was too afraid to ask. And looking back, I wish I had asked those questions, questions that were very critical in what kind of restraining order the state was granting me. I won't get too into detail on this podcast because this podcast is more informative for male victims and it is intended to be that way. I will one day create an episode where I get to share my personal situation, what I learned what my abuser taught me and what the system taught me as well. But I want to be hopeful to anyone that's listening, especially men, that 
there are many ways to be protected by the state, by the city, by law. So if the state offers you an attorney, take it. Don't do it alone because there's a higher percentage of victims who had an attorney help them file a restraining order that were successfully able to obtain an order of restraint, an order of protection, compared to a lesser percent of victims who did it by themselves. So men, I know I don't want to be, you know, stereotypic, but we all know how you roll. You think you know it all. You think you could do it by yourself. You ain't worried about nothing. We get it. But in this situation... You need to worry about doing it the right way and asking for help and assistance. And if it's offered to you, take it, put pride aside and take it. Another fear that men that are victims of domestic violence have is the fear that gay male victims will be outed. When seeking help from a shelter or any other services provided to domestic violent victims, Gay men who wish to keep their sexual orientation private may do so as they please. Revealing this information to agencies only helps when it comes to uh, tallying up statistics. Um, but if you do not want the agency to openly um, let people know that you are gay or if you're a female, that you're a lesbian, or if you're bisexual, um, it is the agency's responsibility, once again, to keep that secret and confidential. Another fear that I want to be able to shake that out of the minds of a man that might be listening to this, or if you're listening to this and you, you have a male friend um, and you want to just give them a reality check, be more than happy to go ahead and, 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 and refer them to this episode on A Girl Talks um, because we're a tribe, right? It's, it's our place to be able to educate uh, other people to be able to help as we can. And again, here at A Girl Talks, that's exactly what the intention is, is to be able to navigate and aid in any situation or questions that you may have. Um, a fear that most men of domestic violence that are victims, they fear that men who seek help are weak. They fear that men who seek help are weak. Let's just take a moment of digesting this, men. Help and weakness are not equal to each other. Not at all. In fact, it takes a lot of courage for anyone to ask for help. It takes a lot of bravery to be able to take action and get help. So help and, and weakness, they don't equate to the same thing. Help and strength, help and bravery, that's what equals to one another. Many men don't seek help for domestic violence because they fear that it will make them look weak. The truth is that there are few actions that require so much bravery as walking away from an abusive relationship. Like I said, it takes so much courage to hone in inside, to be able to leave an abuser, to recognize that you are in need of help and to take the necessary actions and steps to get out of it is not weakness. They are signs of strength. So if you or someone you know 
of domestic violence or domestic abuse that even includes spousal abuse, cyber abuse, same-sex partner abuse. Get help immediately. Be brave, be strong, be courageous. Take action immediately because don't be that alarmingly high percentage of men that don't seek help until the problem becomes a crisis, a severe tragedy. You, You worry about things that you don't even need to be worried about. You worry about social norms and that, you know, men aren't supposed to be weak and that it's less masculine to to report a situation or abuse. That's false ideas. That's false propaganda that society has, you know, indirectly or subtly directly put into your mind. Yes, women are very much taught from an early, early age that any type of abuse, especially if you're a young woman, a a, a teenager, or a grown-ass woman in regards to domestic violence, that it is something that happens more often to women and that they need to keep their guard up on it and, and be able to look for signs and red flags. But here on A Girl Talks, we're going to provide the flags so that men, you can see them and understand the cycle of abuse a little bit better because a lot of the times this is a conversation that is hardly ever had with men. So let me first start out with listing the types of domestic violence, okay? You have physical violence, which is using a force of physical uh, against someone that could be shoving someone, that could be hitting, that could be biting, that could be shaking, that could be forcing someone um, to use drugs or alcohol or assaulting someone with some type of weapon. Physical violence may or may not result in injuries that require medical attention. But you see how how vast physical violence can can go from as little and then you know, graduate to something as stabbing you or even fatally killing you. Sexual violence. Yes, men can be victims of sexual violence as well. What is sexual violence? Okay. The violation of an individual's bodily integrity. Okay. That means coursing sexual contact, forcing someone, raping someone, prostituting someone, um, as well as, as, as any unwelcome sexual behavior or harassment caused by the abuser, including treating someone in a sexual demanding manner or um, uh, other conducts that are of sexual natures where it, it can be verbal or nonverbal or physical. Um, sexual abuse can, can also cause people to feel a sense of violation. And again, um, men can be victims of sexual violence. This is a lot of the times people think, you know, uh, rape victims are only women that sexually abused uh, children are only young girls. No, um, when it comes to sexual violence, sex, again, is not prejudiced to gender or age or any of this when it comes to the domestic violence aspect of everything. There's economical abuse, okay, uh, where the abuser attempts to make the victim 
financial dependence on them. Uh, That can be forbidding them from working or forbidding them from going back to school or finishing school, getting an education, controlling the financial resources that are coming into the household or withholding them access to an economical resource. So that is an economical abuse. A lot of the times we're living in a world where people still see men being the provider, um, but times are shifting and women are becoming more independent and more so the head of the house. And a lot of the times these women that are abusers will take that into control and throw that over the head of their victim who is uh, a man um, and this also happens in same-sex relationships if if one partner is making more money than the other partner then a lot of the times they will use that to manipulate their victim psychological abuse uh, a lot of the times this is done through isolating a victim you know using intimidation as a way to be able to instill fear um, threats of harming someone they love someone they know or even harming them that is behavior that can be so damaging that they may even also uh, abuse their pet they could destroy uh, property that belongs to the victim that might have a sentimental connection or value too. Um, And in doing so, they take full control of what the victim does or who they talk to because the victim is afraid of something like this happening again. When it comes to this psychological abuse, spiritual abuse can also be included in this type of abuse. Um, That can involve the misuse of spiritual religious beliefs to manipulate the victim to to overpower and control their victim. Um, for example, um, people can have gone as far as finding biblical scripture to justify their behavior of abuse um, or or rearing their children in 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 a faith or practice that maybe the partner doesn't even agree on. These are things that. Are, um, that an abuser wants to take control. And we'll get more into the cycle of abuse, the cycle of control, a little bit after these uh, these listings of abuse that I want my listeners to know more about. There is emotional abuse, um, undermining an individual's sense of self-worth. Um, when you do that, when you undermine an individual's sense of self-worth, it, it destroys a piece of the soul um, in, in, in a way where um, emotional abuse can include name-calling, uh, mocking, humiliating. Anything can be emotionally uh, disturbing or, dis- or emotionally painful uh, for a victim. Now, a lot of the times people are like, well, how, how do I recognize domestic violence? And these are all types of, of domestic violence abuse that I listed. Um, and there's so many shades and so many variations that a victim can, can, can be listening to this and be like, I experienced, you know, one out of everything that was just listed or all of them or, or just this piece of that piece and this here. In the end, abuse is abuse. And there are warning signs that a relationship may be abusive. And I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to state them to better give insight and have this be a very informative, educational episode here on A Girl Talks. So here are some warning signs. Um, It can be 
as little as always making you feel that you're never right, shaming you, frightening you, name calling you, um, to the extreme of being unreasonably jealous of other relationships and not just of, of people of the opposite sex. If you're in a heterosexual relationship or of the same sex, if you're homosexual, meaning completely jealous of your relationship, maybe with your mother or with your cousin or even with your pet, there's an unreasonable amount of jealousy. And then that's definitely a flag. Um, questioning you all the time on what it is you did while you're away from them. Um, that might seem cute in the beginning, but when you see it more and more, you know, intensely increasing, um, there's one thing catching up. Another thing is keeping tabs and tallying uh, who you've been with and where you were at. When they discourage you from other relationships, especially the ones of your closest friends and of your family members, when they discourage your relationships with other people, that is also, you know, people are always like, oh, they just want to spend all their time with me. No, 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 no. There, there has to be a sense of respect, a respect, a sense of, of balance, a sense of um, independency, and a sense of self. When they don't allow you to make any decision in a relationship, uh, that's also a red flag. Um, when they want to control what it is you do with your life um, or even your finances, that, that's on another another flag, um, threatening you. When it gets to the point of, of intensity, uh, you'll you'll soon see that they threaten your, your people you loved, your children. Like I mentioned, they will even hurt the things you love, like your pets, um, sexually mistreating you, um, pushing up against you, forcing them uh, on themselves, forcing you to have sex with them. Um, a lot of people think, well, you're in a relationship and you're in an intimate relationship. Um, there's no way that you can be forced to have sex. No, when you're in an abusive situation, I myself experienced that. Um, I did not want to have sex. I didn't want to have sex, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen times a day, every day. Um, that was not pleasurable. That was not, that didn't feel good. Um, that type of sexual abuse goes into mental abuse, goes into spiritual abuse. It just goes into so many different, you understand? And in the end, physical threats or physical hurt, like actually hurting you. Uh, family and friends will sometimes be the first ones to see and identify an abuser or identify uh, abuse by addressing change behavior in, in you. Families and friends know you better than anyone else. If you're a family member and you're a friend and, and, and you're questioning whether someone you love um, is going through abuse, then you know this might be a couple of bullet points that can help you uh, flag it out. Um, you know, inconsistent explanations. You know, victims may provide various excuses, different excuses for the causes of, of a bruise that you might see or a cut that you might see or a bald patch in their hair because they are so fearful of altering your perception of the person they chose to love but that you'll then see that this is not normal. If this was not happening before this uh, partner was in the picture and it's happening now, there's definitely a red flag. A lot of the times, um, victims of abuse will fall into alcohol and substance abuse. 
some of the times it's because their partner happens to also abuse substance and alcohol. So they force them to do it with them. Um, but victims will also use alcohol or other substance to escape from their everyday reality. So if someone you know is going through uh, alcohol abuse or substance abuse out of nowhere, um, when the outside looking in, they look like they're living a perfect life, but they're you know, now all of a sudden there is a underlining reason to it. And, um, it, it's not prying. It's not sticking your nose where, you know, it's not your business. It is your business when it's someone you love. <sighs> Visible injuries. Um, when you see, uh, injuries, uh, that can turn uh, from like purple to green, you know, that they're like new and fresh. It's not like an old, an old, uh, bruise that's just been lingering that could have just been a one-time thing. But when you see things uh, that would normally not be visible, but are like around the arms, around the wrists, uh, even around the neck, um, these are red flags. So please, please, please keep that in mind. Many of you that are listening to this podcast um, who know of a person who may be in a domestic violence situation or you yourself that may be a victim currently in a violent relationship, um, you probably think of the abuser and, and, and you think of how is it possible, you think of how is it possible that this person can be an abuser because when you first met them, you met this this very charming human being, you know, someone that seemed too good to be true, a knight in shining armor, to say the least. Um, they're very thoughtful, very considerate, very engaging. Um, they use their charm to, to, to gain every piece of personal information that you have um, to their benefit, and they'll use that to take advantage of other people that you may know and love that have grown to know and love them. Um, this charming effect um, happens early on um, with, with the abuser, which then once they have this information, they use it again to their advantage and they will isolate you. They will isolate you and they will talk to your friends and family and make them feel that you're in fact safe and sound when really uh, they have such claw grip on you and control that once they have you isolated, um, they, they usually uh, begin to do that um, by having the person move in with them and limiting, if or at all, seeing uh, their friends and family or, or even going back to work, period, or school. Um, so, so remember, an abuser has no, uh, no specific look. Keep in mind that a person does not fall in love with someone that's going to be punching on them like a punching bag day in and day out. They fall in love with the charmer, the too good to be true. Um, and I, I want to talk about, you know, because this is an episode that's dedicated to the men that um, are victims of abuse, I want to talk about um, something with a friend of mine who um, got out of an abusive situation um, with a woman that was narcissistic. And, uh, and at times physical and also um, mentally and emotionally uh, draining to this person. And, and I just want to talk about, like I said, the signs and, and, and see if any of the things apply to him. And maybe by hearing his story, um, it can even help you. Uh, you can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jason. 
Jason, um, I listed a lot of abuse, one of which is sometimes hardly ever listed, and it's narcissist abuse, and you have endured that. Mm -hmm. How would you be able to define narcissism abuse? Um, yes, in a real quick summary, it's falling for a facade, facade. or like a mirage. Mm -hmm. Which, the reason why I feel like a lot of uh, articles of domestic violence don't list narcissism is because you can be abusive without being narcissist, but a lot of the times, narcissists um, have also endured some type of abuse, and then right. repeat that cycle. Right. Um, yeah, well, from what, from what I, what I understood is, you know, yeah, she, you know, she did go through like some form of neglect like nothing crazy but that's usually how it starts please describe how it was from the beginning to the end in a summary so that people can see what kind of uh, roller coaster ride it was for you well um I mean so there's like three things that they do uh, three stages for the most part and the first one is like that they call uh, love bombing and you know that's when you know you think you found like this perfect person um, you know they're basically everything you ever wanted and you know they give you all the attention that you look for and you know maybe compliment you the way that you like to be complimented and like I just said like they're perfect and what they're doing during that time is they're kind of gathering information on basically like how to break you down later on and um, so yeah so like I said you first so that's kind of like where you kind of fall in love with the facade mm -hmm. um, and then what happens is this, what's described is like the mask slowly starts to come off and then you go through the second part which is usually uh, devaluing mm -hmm. where they take the information they gather in the, you know the love bombing phase and they kind of start using those things against you. Um, like the person I dealt with, like she was actually kind of the harder one to kind of diagnose, not diagnose, but to kind of like pinpoint, mm -hmm. because it, um, she was more of what they call like a covert narcissist. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not someone who really, you know, kind of shouts from the mountaintops, like, look at me, look at me, like some of them. Um, it's more of like a low key. And they, what they do is they just make everything more about them mm -hmm. in their situation rather than trying to make, you know, trying to go out and find the situation. And um, so, yeah, so that's part one. Like I said, number two is devaluing where they start to use that information and they start doing things that makes you kind of question your own reality. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've typically from what you know my, my friends tell me and everything like that is like I'm more of a kind of a strong-willed kind of person um, I'm not one really to back down and like I just found myself like the way that things would happen like I would just totally question myself and then I would start to back down like wait is it really me like am I really doing this and so yeah and then the third part is just what they call discarding and that's literally it's just like you're just like the trash you're thrown to the side and that's it yeah and that's where um they differ from your typical abuser because a lot of the times abusers don't want to discharge they don't they want to keep you they want they want to beat every single 
ounce of life out of you and then never let you go. Whereas a narcissist, once you're done feeding their thrill, feeding... It's called their supply. Exactly. It's like a vampire in some way. Mm -hmm. They drain you and it's like, all right, I have no use of you. Right. Well, once you start to push back, because like, you know, like I said, I'm a more of a strong-willed person, so I started pushing back on Mm -hmm. some things. And then once you start to push, push, push back, and they notice that you start to notice who they really are, mm-hmm. then that's when they just get rid of you. They discharge you just like, yeah. and then they they literally prey on strong people because right. that's what feeds their ego. Mm-hmm. It feeds knowing that they could take something so shiny and then just diminish that shine. Right. Um, in any point of your relationship with this narcissist, did you ever deal with any type of physical? abuse because emotionally it's obvious it has been a, a, a struggle for you um right. during the the, the the cycle and then realizing that you were just another pawn um how are you coping with how did you cope with any type of physical abuse that you might have endured at the time mm-hmm. and how are you dealing with the emotional abuse that you're dealing with now well i mean there was an instance where I remember we got into an argument and um like she was, you know, she was hitting my chest, and it's just so funny because then she turned around and said that she felt like, you know, I was gonna hit her, which I've never laid my hand on a woman in my life, and she made it about her. Right. Again. So she flipped it around. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so now, and then it worked because what happened was, is I felt so badly that she felt that way that I totally forgot that you were the one being hit. Right. Mm-hmm. And at that point, too, like, I'll be honest, the fact that it didn't hurt, I mean, because, you know, mm-hmm. she's so much smaller than I am. Um, I made a statement early on, and I said a lot of the time society conditions men to think that that's not, that that's cute, that's funny, because really, what can a five-foot-nothing do to me? When exactly. I'm, but the emotional, when you think about it now, right. has to outweigh whatever physical harm she could have probably caused you then. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, like I said, like I'm, like, I'm usually a person where, like, you know, you do something to me like once or twice, and that's it. I'll, you know, I'm not gonna waste my time mm-hmm. on you, but with just with what she did and you know how she did it, and I mean, it was just it was it was really rough. It is rough. It's rough for victims of narcissistic abuse because even when victims seek help or advice, they know what to do. It's just that these narcissists know exactly what to say to keep you in because you're like oh I can still squeeze a little bit more out of them um, what advice can you give anyone in a situation right now that you might have taken and done then but that you're, you wish you would have just stuck it through reading articles maybe because I think that happened much much later would right. that be something that would have helped you sooner if you if you read about it right it's just in the beginning you don't realize what's going on you know what I mean like it's such a whirlwind mm-hmm. because like I said in the beginning it's it's everything you want mm-hmm. like literally if you had to put someone down on a piece of paper like this person finds out how to be that person yeah and and then it's just gone mm-hmm. you know what I mean and it's just like it's just it's just really rough and then like I said the whole devaluing part especially when you start to really question things because you know like I said like you know the instance when you know she was hitting me on the chest and she flipped around and said that you know she thought I was going to hit her like 
that's pretty messed up. And it made you feel probably like you had to treat her better right. than before. Exactly. Like now, now you, she gained again. She made it about herself and not you, the person she was actually attacking. So now, you're trying to do everything and treat her like this queen that you want. You know, in in her in your eyes, she is. But all she's looking for now is just that ha, that thrill, that, right. that I know I did this, and I know that I'm capable of doing more. Mm-hmm. And I think that it graduated to a lot more after that. Right. Being very deceitful, various lies that manipulated you because she had information on you. Right. That took advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you shared with me your last conversation with her and how cold it was. Right. Yeah, and it's just... And just, I guess, just what makes it even more is because they literally go from, like I said, from being everything you want to just being this totally different person. Like a stranger. And, right. And it's just like, it happened so quickly. And then you just, you're literally left like spinning. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And then they actually do what they call uh, hoovering. Okay. And they call it hoovering because it'll suck you back in. Mm-hmm. Or they'll just come back and act like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And they're, what they do is they come back for that supply. It could be a week later. It could be three months later. It could be six months later. It could be four years later. Yeah. Like, there is no timetable for some of these people. And they'll just come back and just, you know, try to suck more. What they call, like I said, they call supply. Yeah. And it's just, it's just really messed up. Because it's interesting now that the person that she was once not in a relationship with anymore and then was in a relationship with you, she's now with them. And right. just to say she's not at all like that with him. It's very, very likely that she is. Right. And he can also be a victim. And from your recollection, that's someone she's been dealing with on and off for quite a while. Um, now that you see the bigger picture and knowing that this person can, in fact, come back, what are you doing to prepare yourself for a situation like this? Because we all know the ending to the story. It'll always be the same thing, repetitive, repetitive what it's easier said than done mm. how do you talk yourself out of a funk because it's still brand new and it's still difficult but it can be helpful for any man listening to this podcast that has dealt with this type of situation because you weren't living together Mm-mm. you didn't share a, a child together nope. um so when you by by trump's definition this wouldn't be considered domestic violence yeah but it was a form of abuse, and in this situation, pinpointing a narcissistic abuse. Just go with your gut. Your gut, your intuition. Right, because like, there were some things that happened within like three, four weeks of the relationship where I was just like, put me on pause. I'm just like, it made me think even right, like, you know, do I really want this? Like, mm-hmm. is, this, is this all the time? And mm-hmm. you know what I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. So... Well, like you said, you have to think of you and your... It, it's it's okay to put yourself first. I think a lot of times people, when it comes to love and finding a partner, they're willing to bend and, and sacrifice certain things, which is why a lot of victims of abuse, of domestic violence, will stay with their abuser because they're... This is not the person I met, or things can get better, or if this is as bad as it gets, I can deal with it. You know, um... I think it's really important for more men to talk about situations like this and share their stories. As well, everyone thinks men are narcissists, just men. And that men are narcissists. Right. Just like it's people not, always think that men much, are the abusers. Right. It's pretty much 50-50. Yes. Actually, uh, there's a statistic where one out of three women are victims of domestic violence, one out of four. That's not that much different. 
that's still one person in a very small group of people mm-hmm. and if you look at that that's still very alarming because it could literally happen to anyone mm-hmm. and it happened to you a very strong-minded like you said very willed person successful person and attractive person has a lot to offer and you know i think that it's it's if there's anything that you gained out of this what could you what could you share with with whoever's listening to this oh, especially man. your fellow your fellow your fellow brother out there what did i gain um you just really have to have boundaries and just keep them set like don't waver on your boundaries mm-hmm. um because once you start doing that I guess the other person just feels like then okay well if he gave up on this he'll give up on that and yeah. he'll give up on this too and if I just keep pushing a little harder he'll give up on this as well and you know slowly this you know walls are knocked down one by one so I guess that would just be my thing is just have boundaries have them set and you know it just comes to really just down to just self respect for those boundaries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally how do you feel sharing this do you feel a lot of times men feel like talking about this makes them weak whereas it's really the opposite it takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of strength to be able to talk about something society always makes women especially feel like shut up and stop crying about it because you're not in it anymore but because you're a man that dealt with it in his own way do you do you see how powerful it is to share a story and how contrary it is for you know for society to paint the picture of stop crying about it uh it it helps i mean yeah it helps but i mean i guess i really don't know this is my first time really kind of sharing stories it is but how does it make you feel (laughs) um i guess okay for right now that's good because a lot of reasons why men don't seek any type of help especially if they're married with an abusive person is no one's going to believe me or people are going to think i'm not strong but is it easy? To, is it safe to say that there's strength in sharing your story? Absolutely. Okay, good. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your story and a lot of information that you shared that I myself didn't know about a narcissist. Uh, I know that narcissists make it all about them, and even if they're the ones that physically hurt you, they paint it as you're you're hurting them and you're the reason why. And then I remember my abuser he was narcissistic all i knew was like okay he'd be crying after he beat the crap out of me and i felt bad about it mind you i'm the one with you know a fractured bruise and a busted lip and and he's perfectly fine grown-ass man crying about it so i think uh one thing that i want anyone listening to this is definitely to remember to put yourself first to love yourself and to find strength in ending the cycle to find strength in breaking the silence and by sharing your story, you're helping even one person that might be listening to it. So never feel bad and never feel apologetic about telling your truth. Okay, friends. So remember, like I said, you come first. Um, If you're trying to decide whether to stay or leave, you might be feeling lots of emotions. You might feel confused, uncertain, scared, and torn. One moment, you might just want to get away, get away fast, and the next you just want to hang on and, 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 and work on the relationship. Or maybe you, you might blame yourself for the abuse, or you might feel weak or embarrassed because you've stuck around so long despite 
what anybody else might have done. Don't be trapped by guilt. Do not blame yourself. You are not allowed to punch yourself and abuse yourself over this, okay? You made a decision. You chose to love. It ended up not working. Move on. Move on by taking the steps necessary to heal. Do not regret what you went through. Take what you went through and learn from them. Because the only thing that matters is your safety. The only thing that matters is your mental state. The only thing that matters is your well-being. So focus on getting the help you need and to protect yourself and anyone around you that might also be uh, in danger. Because again, when it comes to abusers, what they want to do is if they can't hurt you, they'll get they'll try to hurt someone closest to you because they want to continue to have that control um, and they want to impact uh, their lives and by doing that, it impacts your lives. So be strong, be hopeful, and just remember that there is light at the end of the tunnel and you are not alone. Men, you are not alone as I said earlier in this podcast, um, there are a lot of resources out there for you. So don't let the title of an organization or an agency uh, steer you to a direction where you feel like you're alone through this. No, um, this is the perfect time to be able to read. This is a perfect time to reach out to friends. This is a perfect time to grow. This is A Girl Talks, episode five. Men Are Victims too. You can listen to other episodes that I have here on A Girl Talks. If you have any questions or suggestions or requests for topics, you can email me at agirltalkspodcast at gmail.com. And you can also follow our Instagram page, A Girl Talks, where you'll find quotes of motivation. And if you're lucky, you'll be able to read stories from people that share theirs on some of the posts that I post daily on that page. Thank you for listening and sending you nothing but love, light, and a big, 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 big hug.